0: MerchTable was founded by artists just like you. We've slept on floors, played for everyone and no one, broken up, gotten back together, and taken everything we learned along the way to build a group of people who put creativity first so you can play while we work. Visit MerchTable.com to learn more about our merchandising and online store solutions. Hi, hello, everybody. How are you doing? I'm Ray Harkins. You're listening to 100 Words Less, the podcast, Happy 4th of July! Or if you're not in America, then you don't care about that holiday. And that's fine. Or maybe you live in America and you don't care about that holiday as well. But, (laughs) Anyways, I'm recording this in a closet. And, you know, sometimes that's just what happens. I'm on vacation in Las Vegas, staying at a, you know, nice hotel. But sometimes the only uh, private places you can find are uh, the bathroom and or the closet. And uh, that's what I'm doing right now. (laughs) So... That's not why you're here, though. You are here to listen to an interview with a person who is involved in independent music and is uh, playing it or shaping it or has been influenced by it in a major way. And this person uh, does a lot of those things. He's the vocalist for Stray from the Path. He is a man by the name of Drew DiGiorgio, which I've never... Well, I said his last name out loud last week, but um, yeah, still, it's always weird when I know these people for a long time and don't have any idea how to pronounce our last name. But anyways, Drew is a good friend and a really, really interesting dude. And this chat was just top, top shelf. I was so glad to have it because um, I just love getting to know people. And when you get to know people and kind of peel layers back to them and get them to speak about things that they don't normally share, whether it's because they're private or whatever... I just love it because usually people have very, very interesting stories and are interested in very specific things. So uh, Drew, yeah, great, great chat. And um, yeah, I I just want to dive into it, okay? Like I'm not going to give you any, you know, belabored updates on, you know, myself or the show or anything like that, but um, stick around to the end of the episode because you will be hearing about next week's rad chat like we always do. So here's Drew, okay? I'll talk to you after the episode is over. you are such a unique person to me in the fact that, um, you know, I mean, clearly like, you know, we played shows together in the early two thousands, but like, you know, I, I don't ever remember like, you know, shaking hands with you and be like, Oh, Drew, nice to meet you. Like, cause I right, mean, right. I don't even really remember meeting Tom like that either. I just remember him starting to punish me when I worked at century media to sign your, <laughs> your band, <laughs> yeah, um, right, which you weren't in at the time, but you know, that's no,
1: I wasn't. That's, that's what I was going to get to. I was going to say when you guys when stray would play shows with taken i wasn't even yeah i wasn't in the band yet but right. um you were in the audience i remember yeah i was yeah we were fucking super young but i remember going to one show in particular i remember you guys played uh the hungarian hall i think it was
0: oh, okay yeah yeah
1: and uh you know typical you know just uh floor kind of show you know i think they had like a small stage but i remember watching you guys and i was like this fucking band is so sick and the singer's <laughs> voice is incredible
0: <laughs> well well thank you because i don't receive those so comments.
1: i'm sure i'm sure one of those times uh you know one of those shows whether it was center hvfw or hungarian hall i was probably like
0: hi i'm drew nice to meet you man you know <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah 14 year old you and like 17 year old me is like interacting yeah. in some weird world yeah but- exactly but i I feel like the the uniqueness of you know our relationship, and i 'm sure that you have this unique relationship with other people where I feel like I you know as you know I became friends you know or closer with Tom um, right. you know, by default, I felt closer to you. And then, you know, I, I I just remember always kind of feeling like, oh, even though like, you know, Drew and I haven't hung out, like I, you were just there. And like, of course, we're friends, even though we haven't met. Like, of course, we're friends. <laughs> and, right, of course. Like, do you feel that that kind of exists? Like, I'm sure you've noticed that with other people in your life. You're like, oh, I'm best friends with this guy in the band, but I don't know anybody else in the band. But I feel like I, I do know them by, you know, kind of default. Like, right. I I don't know. I'm trying to like vocalize why that happens kind of so much within like punk and hardcore. And I don't know if you've put any thought into that at all.
1: Well, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things, though, where I feel like when you meet somebody or, um, you know, that's in it, like like you just said, like you may not know anyone else in the band, but you seem to get along like better with this one person. I think it's just like, you know like an energy thing, like a connection, you know, like you see someone, you're like, yeah, like me and this dude or me and this chick, like we we just, you know, you connect on that level. And it's almost like, like you just said, like you and I have never really talked as much as you and Tom have or whatever. But like, when I saw you in LA and we went for like that car ride, wherever we went, I forgot what we did, but like, right. you know, you just pick up where you left off. It's like, you don't skip a beat. And like, I have, even if it's not even someone in a band, like I have friends that I've known since elementary school, you know, since I was like five and it's like, we don't talk every day. We don't talk for months. And then I see him or I talk to him and it's like, yo, nothing's changed. Like we're right back where we started. So like, yeah, a hundred percent. Like I feel that. And I think the thing with me and you is like, you know, we both sing in a band. We know what that's like. <laughs> that's you know true. what I mean? So there's, you, you instantly have something in common with somebody that you could, uh, share with them. And it's almost like, uh, like an icebreaker at that point, you know, it's like, all right, I already shared this common thing with you. So yeah, you're sick. Let's hang.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I know, I agree all of what you're saying. And there definitely is that element of when you have these relationships with people that you've known, like, you know, since high school or elementary school or whatever, there's that short right. that always happens. Um, and I, I guess, I guess the, the thing that I noticed that's unique in particular to our, you know, subculture is the fact that like, you know, whatever, I, I, all the times that you and I have slept on, you know, strangers' floors and like telling that to the outside world of like, oh, yeah, I just met this person and like they let me in their house and like I slept with that, like slept, at, you know, on their floor and like they gave me cereal in the morning and people are just kind of like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, yeah, what do like you mean?
1: That's the craziest thing I've ever heard of in my life. And it's <laughs> like, that's just a normal thing for you and I back then, you know?
0: Right. And I don't, um, and I, I guess it is just that that inherent trust that exists where you're like, oh, if you found your way here and you were at this show, like I implicitly trust you. Like there's that right. base understanding that happens.
1: Well, it's like, you know, like you said, in in the subculture and stuff, it's like the, the this place that we have, you know, whether it's a, a huge venue or like whatever your scene is like, it's just like all the other stuff in life. Like you go there because it's like it's almost like your escape. You know what I mean? So when you are there, you feel safer in an environment like that than you would, you know, sometimes in your own home. And I mean, it's pretty crazy to think about, but like, you know, you go to these places and you meet kids and you meet people at shows and like I've, uh, you know, I've seen kids come to shows and be like, Hey, like I met my, my boyfriend, my husband, my best friend at one of your shows or stick to your gun show or counterpart, whatever it is, you know what I mean? And I, I think that's, it's really an amazing thing to just like instantly walk into somewhere and just feel comfortable and be able to like trust who you're there with, you know? And I think that's, that's, it's, it's really awesome.
0: Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's the, the, the safety that you feel. I mean, especially, you know, when you're playing these shows in front of, you know, 40, 50 people, like you almost, you almost feel this weird compulsion to like, go around and like, you know, know every single person at the show. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you're like, you're here. Like, like, yeah, you're here. I want to know you. like Right. This is <laughs> right. Like how I, I, like who did you come to see? I, you know, I don't care if you don't like my band, that's fine. But like, right. it's cool. You're here. Like we could probably be friends in some weird way. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Such a weird thing, isn't
0: it? It is. It is. And especially when you try to uh, vocalize that and explain it to people who, uh, you know, I I affectionately dub as civilians where it's like they just don't have (laughs) they don't have the experience with it, you know, and I don't. Yeah, no, you're right. And I don't blame them. Like, you know, it's it's not like this. Oh, we're part of this cool secret club that sleeps on people's floors that we don't know. But like (laughs) (laughs) it it just doesn't, it doesn't add up in ways that most people would, um, whatever, you know, because it's not like you would expect anybody else, uh, to like travel to a different city, meet someone randomly at the mall and then stay at their house. They'd be like, Oh no, they're like a serial killer. Like what? No.
1: (laughs) But you know, it's like, you know, when you, when you try to explain, you know, what, you know, being in a band or like, especially like a hardcore band to like somebody that doesn't get it, like they're, their perception of it is like this, this glorified, lavish thing. And it's like, yo, it is not that at all. And like, like you said, you know, you sleep on people's floors when you start out as a band, like, that's just, that's just how it is. That's how the real world is when you're trying to be a musician or being a band. And like, uh, it's just crazy to think like, some of the stuff that we've done and like been through as a band, even like as an individual, it's like, what, in the world where we a thinking, or we just weren't thinking because we really didn't have a choice, you know? And, uh, it's just crazy, man. The whole, the whole lifestyle is nuts. I love
0: it. It, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, and you know, kind of narrowing the focus in on you as an individual, uh, there it's interesting because, you know, like you uh, clearly have been in a band for a long time. You've done, you know, a fair share of interviews, but like, sort of like really super simple biographical information on you as far as like you know like where you were born and all that stuff like it's just not readily accessible and like i don't um sometimes when i run into that i'm like that's weird like that's just uh, certain things that just kind of pop up so like i'm, I'm gonna yeah. presume that you were you know like born and raised in like kind of the long islandish area but please correct uh-huh. me if i'm wrong no
1: 100 i i was born in uh i was born in stony brook it's uh in suffolk county on long island and uh you know, I'm born and raised Long Island. You know, I um, currently right now I'm actually down in Florida. I've been down here for like the past two months, and uh, my brother lives down here. My brother oh. and my brother. So I came down here. I've I've been coming here for years, but I've always flown down and like without a car, it's kind of you know it's it's hard to get around. It's not like we have like a like a railroad system down here, you know. Right. So I drove down uh, in the middle of April as soon as like stray was. Uh, was done recording. And, uh, yeah, I've been down here ever since. I'm actually going back on Monday. I leave to go back to New York and, uh, I'm glad I came down here cause it's, it's been, it's been awesome. Like my brother's got a little condo right on the beach. So I've just been hanging out here, you know, but, uh, yeah, you're right, though. Sorry, I just trailed off. I was born in New York.
0: No, it's fine. Yeah, you were just you're looking at the beach and being like, oh, man, it's really that's great exactly here. what
1: I'm doing right now. I'm literally looking at the beach as I'm telling you
0: this. <laughs> that's so good. The yeah. um, and so you your family structure. I mean, clearly you mentioned your brother, older or younger brother,
1: older brother. Yeah, I'm the youngest of three boys. So the okay. uh, okay. rest okay. of my family's. Yeah, rest of my family's still in New York. And uh, my brother moved down here like he was he was born in Queens. We have the same dad, different mom but, uh, so he's my half brother, oh, but, um, got it. he came down here probably like 25 years ago. He's older. He's uh, he's in his fifties. So my parents are mad old. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> my parents are mad old. <laughs> That's funny. So, so yeah. there was always that, that, uh, you know, kind of, uh, weirdness maybe in maybe an elementary school where they were like, is that the grandpa or the dad? I can't tell.
1: Well, the thing is, is my dad is going to be 80 on June 9th. Okay. And, uh, he looks like he's 60. So that's amazing. Yeah. He looks, he looks so young. Like when I tell people that they're like, your dad is 80 years old. I'm like, <laughs> yes, the guy we go, like we exercise together. Like he is, he is like, you know, super Italian, like drinks his wine, eats his food and just exercises. And that's his secret to life. And you know what? It, it's, a uh, it's worked. So I guess, um, I guess in a sense that I have good genes too, because when I tell people that I'm, I'm going to be 32 next month. And when I, when I tell people that they're like, you look like you're 20 You look like you're
0: 12. Yeah. I was going to say, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, <or
0: not. laughs> I mean, the, you know, the fact that you have a little facial hair, like maybe that excuse you a little bit older, but yeah, you you definitely have yeah. a, a, um, a, you definitely have a young look about you and you're kind of that perpetual, you know, like, yeah, yeah whatever mid twenties sure. kid. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh, you you also s- struck me as the sort of person where, you know, all all of the interactions I've had with you and you know just kind of seeing who you are, you know, uh from a stage presence perspective, um you're um, you know, you, you're outgoing, you're friendly, uh yet uh you're also the guy that's like, you know, uh, would be comfortable, you know, kind of starting some stuff at a party, like not in a bad way, just like, oh dude, oh, of like let's get into some mischief. Um am I correct oh, am God. I correct in that characterization or <laughs>
1: you're correct. Yeah. Like, yeah, as much as, you know, like you said, you know, outgoing kind and like, of course, I, I, you know, I love people. I love being in social situations and stuff. But yeah, when I was younger, man, like, uh, my poor mother, the things that I put her through when I was in school, man, like I was like, I wasn't, I wasn't like bad in the sense where I was like fighting or like being violent in school. Me and Tom, like we we've known each other since we were 12 and we were just nuts. We were just we couldn't be controlled. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I would open up a window in school and just jump out of it, out of like the second story. And people would be like my teachers would be like, yeah, you're suspended now. And I'm like, well, all I did was jump out of the window. And they're like, yeah, but you just can't go jumping out windows. It's not <laughs> yeah. why so you're here. It's a distraction. You're here to learn. Yeah. yeah, you're here to learn. And I'm like, yeah, but I wanted to do that. So I did it. But yeah. So much mischief, always. You know, I'm just, I just like having a good time. And as long as, um, I'm not hurting myself or anyone else, then, you know, I'm fine.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you were kind of, uh, you know, predating uh jackass in regards to like the, you know, just let's get into some silly business. Like let's exactly. Okay.
1: Yeah. And then when that came out too, Oh my God, me and my friends would, we try and reenact all that stupid shit that they did on that show. <laughs>
0: it, it's so funny because now that that has permeated, you know, that has sat in our culture for so long and, you know, multiple movies and television shows and, you know, different right. iterations of it. Um, you know, there is such an effect of that on kids where it's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, like that, th- you know, every kid was influenced by that in some capacity, whether they yeah, well, I appreciate it's, it or I think not.
1: It, yeah. I think it's like, even like the whole skateboarding culture, you know what I mean? Like if you skated as a kid and then like, you saw that, like, you're like, oh, not only do I skate now, now I do reckless stuff with my friends, you know? So it was like, a. I'm sure every kid, you know, my age, you know, tried to, act out all the things that they saw and you know yeah you wish
0: you wish there was definitely always that uh i mean the one that left an impact on me was the you know the rental car and just like completely destroying the rental car and then returning it and being like oh i got the insurance on it and you're just like that is the best loophole i've ever heard of in my life and yeah (laughs) it's the best yeah so awesome Um, love it and so, you know, as you were, you know, being just a, you know, a, 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 a miscreant and, you know, causing, uh, causing ruckus, like, did you uh, care about school or was that simply something that you had to go do because obviously you were 12?
1: Well, well, I mean, I think that after about like seventh or eighth grade, um, which I know it's different in like different States, but like for me, Middle school was six, six, seven, eighth grade. So right around like the end of middle school when I when I was going into like becoming a freshman in high school, I um I kind of stopped caring because I uh I played soccer my whole life and I played on like a travel team, a select team, and I I got brought up to play J V when I was in middle school and my life was just soccer. I had no social life. I had like, you know, I literally I would leave middle school early and I would go to the junior varsity, which like the high school is like right across the field. So I could walk there, but I would see my friends from middle school, like a, either going to skate or just like leaving school as like, you know, a kid, like going to hang out. And I was like, I w- want to do that. And I couldn't. So my life was, you know, like I said, all I did was play soccer, eat, sleep. That was it. And, uh, I got to a point where I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I quit just like that I quit everything my my parents were so so upset and I was like I just want to play music and skate you know what I mean and I really really didn't spend much time in school um I did graduate high school um but yeah no it was it was just never for me you know I was I always knew what I wanted to do at a very young age which um I think a lot of people um don't and I, I'm I'm very lucky in that sense that I had support from people and I had good people around me and uh, but yeah school was just never for me I could never sit still I never really cared that much
0: you know and what age did you drop out of the like the club soccer circuit because that like you know even though it's very developed now where it's like you know such a serious thing um, right you know it like once you start to play club soccer and you know start to tour around like your state and stuff like that that's a that's like serious time sucks and.
1: Yeah. It must've been.
0: Yeah. So what age were you when you, you dropped out? I think, let's see if I was, if I was just going into high school, it
1: must've been about 14, 15 around there when I was like, no, like I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like I, I I remember like playing with, um, you know, just random kids and like the team didn't even like know each other. Like we had started as like a team and we, we we were like a division one team. And then like, I went and played select. And as soon as I got on that team, like, handful of my guys, we all got, you know, uh, transferred to that team, but we were playing with kids that I didn't even know. And it was like, this is not a team. Like, this is like just forced. This is literally like not fun. Like I can't even understand some of these kids. Cause you know, uh, they don't speak English or, you know, I don't, I didn't speak Spanish, you know, so it was just, it just got to be too much for me. And I just, I really just wanted to play music. And that's, so I was like, you know what, I'm done. I don't want to do this, so I'm not going
0: to. I'm excited to tell you about a new sponsor of the show, and that is Drip Drop. And what does it solve? Dehydration. We've all experienced that, right? Dehydration, whether that's like, you know, massive, massive heat exhaustion or working out too hard, where you just start to get like, oh, your head hurts, and it's awful, right? And summer is obviously the season for dehydration, but Drip Drop comes in. And it's a magical electrolyte powder that was developed by a doctor to treat dehydration around the world. DripTrop is not a huge beverage company. It's a legit remedy for dehydration. The formula has three times the electrolytes and half the sugar of regular sports drinks. It comes in a stick. You mix with 16 ounces of water and it works fast and tastes absolutely amazing. You can use it before a workout, you know, before a run, or whenever you feel not so good when it comes to dehydration. Say goodbye to headaches, fatigue, and however else dehydration affects your life. So, I got sent a box of this stuff, and I was like, "Okay, you know, I've seen this sort of stuff before." And I was like, "I don't, I don't know, like how 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 much could it affect you?" I tried it, and it's absolutely incredible. And what's even cooler is I was able to dive into the website and saw that, like I said before, this thing was invented by a doctor, and he is still delivering these packets to people in countries that are suffering from dehydration. So not only can you use this to benefit your life, but this product also helps people around the world battle dehydration. Go to dripdrop.com slash words to get 20% off each and every purchase, okay? That's dripdrop.com slash words to get 20% off. Please try it out. I really, really like this, and I think you will too, Okay now on with the show. When did it hit you that you kind of like missed the, you know, team camaraderie? I mean, you know, that clearly is what propelled you to kind of quit because you were in a situation that was untenable. Um, but yeah. like, did you ever kind of miss that? You know, once you were like 18, 19, it was kind of like, Oh man, like I wish I still had that feeling, but you know, I mean, clearly you had it with the band as you were starting to build right. it, but
1: well, um, I, I do think about it because I was thinking about like, Hey, what would life be like if I didn't like, you know, go on and like tour and do this I was like well I probably would have kept playing soccer and like you know I still like mess around like I you know I have beach soccer ball down here I always randomly play when I'm home and I'm like damn I really do miss playing but like that was it you know like it, it was never it was never like a, a goal of mine to uh, really do it I was just good at soccer and you know my parents put me on the team and I just wanted to run around and be crazy and that was it you know. But I, but you know, like losing like the team camaraderie of it, it's like, like you said, like I had that with the band, you know what I mean? It was almost like the same thing, and I saw more of the world by being in a band than I probably would have if I would have continued to a go to college and play soccer or go to Italy or something or go overseas, you know whatever. So um, I think all the things that I could have gotten out of it. I did. I, maybe it would have been more of a stable environment if I <laughs> continued to play sure. soccer and yeah. not sleep on people's floors. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I don't regret a thing.
0: Yeah. No, I, I mean, yeah, usually you end up in that spot where it's like, oh yeah, this, you know, felt like the right decision. But I, I like the way that you phrased it, where you felt like you got what you wanted and needed out of it. Cause I think, I mean, most people experience this in life where, you know, you kind of, once you start to do a thing and it becomes your thing, whether it's your job, your hobby or whatever, Right. Uh, part of the human experience is that like, you know, you should eventually know like when it's run its course or when you feel like you need to stop. And I think a lot of people, you view that as a bad thing, but it can very much be like, no, like you got what you needed out of it. Like, and now it's time to move on. I
1: think, you know, a lot of people, they just stay stuck doing um, something that they may not want to do because they think they have to, or, uh, you know, and it's, it, it sucks, you know, to just watch people, be miserable with their lives and uh yeah you know
0: yeah it's not. it is
1: it, it is what it is though you know I mean there's a lot of people that um could have gone on to do different things but you know maybe the the hand that they were dealt in life wasn't the best you know and uh, which I totally understand but um yeah you know I hate watching people like that are brilliant people that are just stuck doing something that they just don't want to do. And it's like, well, why you don't have to do it. Like you yeah. don't have to do that. Like, so, totally. Nobody, nobody's saying that you have to, you could do anything that you want.
0: Yeah. Like, and especially too, there are, there are necessary things that you have to do, you know, whatever, like clearly people work jobs that they don't like. And like, that's fine, but you can also mm. reclaim your time in many different aspects of your life. But you know, the moment that you start to, you know, get lazy or I'm too tired or make excuses. That's when, you know, that's when this, right. that's when the sadness sinks in and you're like, Oh no, man, yep. like that's what you're wasting. But yeah.
1: Yeah. Like they, they almost, it's like they almost lose a little bit of life. in Yeah. The, you
0: know? Absolutely. Totally. <laughs> um, yeah. so when did, um, I mean, like you said, you, you dropped soccer and, you know, school is not important and then music kind of consumed you. Um, you know, what was kind of the inflection point for you on that was, uh, you know, who was introducing it to you? Um, you know, how did it kind of start to weasel its way in your brain?
1: Well, when I, this is a funny story. When I was seven years old, my mom packed up a car with myself, my other brother who's in New York, and my cousin. And she drove us to Woodstock in 1994. And we did not have tickets. We had a tent. And we got there and we met like a group of people that were like, Hey, like we know like a hole in the fence where you guys can sneak in. And mind you, I'm seven years old. Okay. I should have never been there,
0: but no, that's insane. I can't even like wherever the story goes, I already cannot believe it. (laughs) Yes, exactly.
1: So, you know, she, she like, I think my dad was away on business and, uh, she, she left him a note, Hey, took the kids to Woodstock. Like, Imagine being like a father and coming home and just, you know, this is before cell phones and shit, you know? So it's not like you could like call and like stay in touch with anybody. So anyway, that's how we left. And we get up there. Like I said, we don't have tickets, but anyway, we meet these people, we get in and we all stayed in this little shit tent, small, probably just enough to sleep four people, everyone next to each other. And, you know, we spent, I think we were there for two days and, um, I got to see green day and that, that was it for me.
0: I went, to the, the infamous mudslinging concert? Yep, exactly. Wow. And
1: I got to see that from a hill. I was very far away, but mind you, I was also seven. So the world looked big to me anyway. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, you were in a, you, you were in like, you know, like the biggest field you would ever seen in your life.
1: Exactly. (laughs) And I, I remember bits and pieces of it. I remember going down the mudslide and just naked people everywhere. I remember I was wearing like, you know, this is the nineties. So, uh, I had like a pair of jean shorts, like one leg was blue and one leg was like black. And like, I had no shirt on. And like, I just remember being covered in mud and like experiencing all of these things and just seeing all these crazy people and all this art and culture and this and that. And I was like this is what I want to do. Like when I saw them play, I was like, I, you know, your brain just gets like shocked. You're like, what is this? What am I seeing? And, um, from, from then on, like I, I, I knew that I wanted to play music. I always listened to music with my mom. And then when I was about 11 or 12, she bought me, um, for Christmas one year, she bought me my first bass guitar. And then, you know, that was right around the same time. I started playing some instruments. I was still playing soccer, but you know, a couple of years later I was like, all I want to do is go downstairs, play my drums, play my guitar, just have my friends over and just skate. And just like, you know, just be invested in that. Cause that's what I cared about. And,
0: uh, So you so, had, yeah, like, you had, you had all of the, like you had drums and guitar, like you had that all set up in like your basement.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, you know, over, over the years I got, you know, I, I more would work. And more, like,
0: sure.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think I, uh, I think one time too, I had a uh, I had a dirt bike and I I crashed it and like hurt myself really bad. And my mom's like, "Nope, no more." And I was like, "Well, can I sell it and get a drum set?" And she's like, "Yeah, sure." So that's how I got the drums. And then you know, so guitars was your, came later. And was all your, this
0: was your house, kind of like you know, because usually people that have that all, like all that musical equipment like kind of become the house where a lot of people hang out and stuff like that. Was, was that oh, the case for you?
1: Uh, oh yeah, like nice. before. Yeah, I was in like maybe. Two or three bands, like you know, throughout like school and stuff uh, before Stray, and like we were practicing in my basement. You know, we'd all come home, you know, after school or whatever, and we would just we would just go nuts down there, and it, it was awesome. I, I I look back at that now that we're talking about, it. I'm like, wow, that happened and it was so cool. Was just you know, the basement wasn't finished; it was cement, you know, so like. The sound did travel. Everyone heard it. All the neighbors did. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but everyone was cool about it, you know. And uh, it, it was good. It was good for us. We weren't, you know, we weren't, we weren't on the streets like, you know, doing like a- anything violent. We were just, you know, being creative in a basement, like just hanging out with your friends. And it was great.
0: There is something that is so uh, visceral and nostalgic for people that have experienced that, where it's like it is the the house in which. You know, like yeah, you whatever you practice for an hour, and then like you know maybe you play Goldeneye for an hour or whatever. Like you just exactly had, right. Yeah,
1: you'd have like video games, or it was like, all right, we're gonna make hot pockets and like bagel oh, bites, dude. <laughs> it and was you're great. You and know and what I mean? You had no care. You you maybe had like twenty bucks to your name. You know what I mean? Like, what are we gonna do? And it's like, well, we can either like spend money on food or like I got bagel bites and like gushers and like Capri suns. We could just hang out and do that.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and you're like, Oh dude, afternoon, evening unlocked. Like this is incredible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. And so it sounded like you, you were very attracted to, you know, like you said, playing in bands, and you started bands and, you know, we're playing kind of all the different instruments and stuff like that. Um, you know, the, uh, the attraction for you, you know, kind of like singing and being a vocalist, um, that, Clearly, you know. I mean, that's what you do for stray. But like, how did that kind of manifest itself? To where was it? Were the other people just like more talented than you? So you're like, oh, I guess I'll try this like singing thing.
1: Well, the singing thing—that's a good question because I'm trying to like go back to see like when I first started well one of the first bands that I was in I did play bass and I sang in the band so like I was it was a three piece band you know we wanted to be blink 182 or green day that was
0: like oh, oh they please tell me like the, this. please tell me the name of it cuz I I want to hear it immediately the name of the
1: first band that I was in was a band called nothing much
0: dude per, <laughs> that is perfect like even if you did not tell me the sound of the band, I would probably have been able to guess what it sounded like. I love that's oh, And that's my favorite part about if, if your first band is like, if you could not my first band was called doom society. So you can probably tell what we sounded like, like, and yeah, probably chaos. I right, love it. Right. And like, I don't understand when it gets to the point where it's like, you know, looking at straight from the path, like, you can reasonably guess that it's like aggressive music, but like, you know, m- people probably wouldn't be able to immediately decipher it. But everybody's first band, you can easily peg. And I don't know why that is. It's, it's amazing.
1: I think it's just something where it's like, OK, like you think you think you know what you're doing, but you have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> True. Good point. So you're just like whatever you're whatever you're capable of doing. Like I remember the first song that I wrote for uh, the infamous uh, Nothing Much was uh, it, like it it was, I didn't know how to sing and play. So I would just sing like, you know, like a four chord progression. And like, it was just like a dent, dan, 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 almost like a punk ska riff, whatever. Sure. And I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to say some syllables to go along with this. And the song was terrible, but it was the greatest thing in the world to me. I was like the first song I ever wrote, you know? And, uh, like you said, like it, it was, uh, Beautiful. a was bad and you could probably think what it sounded like. Yeah.
0: I love, I <laughs> yeah. love that. Um this is kind of ta- uh, a tangent but it seems like everybody that kind of came up in the the Long Island, you know, independent music scene uh is into gambling. Like in a real real way. And like I've tried to trace it to whether it's like well that was kind of the culture of Long Island in general or if that was just basically the culture of, you know, that subculture. Um do you, like Well, vitalo and tom are different breed of people okay Barrington. okay all right they are <laughs> They are. that's true but, that's
1: true but you are right because what would happen a lot of the time on long island is um whether it was like a uh like a pizzeria would close at night and they would do like a legal poker in like the kitchen or like somewhere whatever whether it was like a little hole in the wall place so that you're right when you say that like long island yes there is a lot of gambling but it's illegal because obviously it's not legal to gamble there. So, you know, you'd have a lot of, uh, finding out like where to go to play. I mean, I never gambled luckily, you know, it it was just, my dad used to take me to Belmont racetrack when I was young to like go bet on horses and I would always lose. And I didn't really understand, you know, I was like so young. So losing to me, I would always watch my older brother win with my uncle and me and my dad would always lose. So I was like gambling. Yeah, it's not for me. And I still, I still really don't do it. I'll play like 31 or like CeeLo here and there when I'm in the mood, but like, not like those guys. If I uh, like Vitalo and Tom are on a whole, yeah, a whole different, level. different level of
0: they're degenerates. degenerate,
1: they got, yeah, they're degenerate gamblers. They got the itch and, you know, and that's, that's fine. Yeah. You know, they, they have the money to put it up and you know what, if that's what they like to do, then
0: it's fine by me. You. Some people like shoes. Some people like records. These guys like gambling, right? Exactly.
1: Uh, I think Tom likes all of those things.
0: I, <laughs> I know. I, I. I realize after saying that, I'm like, oh, I just basically described Tom in a nutshell. But yeah, that's okay. That's exactly. <laughs> um, it, uh, th- this is kind of you know a, a more uh, like lack of a better term like a current question. But the you know, so many people you know for the longest time looked at at Stray and you know what you guys were doing. Um, and basically just writing you off as like, oh yeah, they're just like, you know, a cheap rage against the machine knockoff, you know, it's just like, oh yeah, right. f- like, you know, w- why, why would you listen to them when you can listen to rage against the machine or whatever? Right? Um, it, you know, I, I, I'm sure there was a point in your own head where you had to, uh, you know, like move past that and be like, I can't, you know, that's not going to bother me. Um, but was there ever a time where it felt like, I mean, clearly for many years, you guys felt very much like the underdog and I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit but you mm-hmm. know was that ever I guess kind of you know hurtful for you or you're just like oh god like we're, we're a little more than that we're not just trying to directly rip them off like partially right. yeah but everybody is
1: but I mean no I never I never really was like um upset or like hurt by it because you know what if you're gonna compare me to one of the greatest bands of all time then that's a fucking
0: compliment <laughs> yeah you're like, you thank know? you thank you yeah yeah
1: I'm like, yeah, I know we sound like Rage because we love Rage. Like any band that plays a certain style of music, like they're going to sound like what their interests are. You know, they're going to sound like their favorite bands. And uh, we never set out to be like, hey, like this is what we're going to sound like. That was never Stray. You know, Stray was always like just a little bit off the beaten path. You know, like we were just like a little weirder than everybody else. And like that was just us. It was never like this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to sound like. It was like, this is just us. And like, I have a very high pitched kind of screaming voice that is different than a lot of other vocalists. I think Um, like, you know, Tom always says like, you can just tell that it's you, whether if it's like, if I do like a guest feature on something like you, like if you know the band and familiar with the, the, the music, like, you know that it's me. Like I have a very distinct voice. I'd like to think. So when people do compare us to that, I'm like, Zach is one of the best vocalists of all time. So cool. Thank Nothing you.
0: but compliments. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah.
1: Let's move on now. You, but, but my, my argument will be when people do say, Oh, it's a cheap agents machine or you sound just like him. I'm like, name one rage song with the punk beat, the fast punk beat.
0: Go ahead. Yeah. Go totally ahead. I'm here. I'll wait. I'll right. wait all day.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. People are like, so, Oh
0: dude, inside out. And it's like, well, yeah, it's a different band, dude. Like, yeah, it's a different band, <laughs> different band guy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's, that's when Zach was uh, hanging around high school. So like, calm down. Don't, don't try to come at me like that. Yeah. And plus people that know inside out usually know about subculture. So like they wouldn't even be lobbing those criticisms in the first place. Support for today's show comes from pet relief. They are an unbelievable company that makes all natural USDA certified organic CBD products for pets using full spectrum CBD hemp oil that is grown and extracted in Colorado. They've got a wide variety of products. They have something to assist a range of ailments such as hip and joint pain, inflammation, situational anxiety, and more. And they offer oils for both dogs and cats. They're made with only two ingredients, full-spectrum CBD hemp oil and organic coconut oil. Their supplements are all handmade and baked with human-grade organic ingredients that have been sourced from farms across the United States. Not to mention, all their products are third-party tested in an effort to be completely transparent. This stuff is great. I've got an old pup. She's about 14 years old. I've been using this with her for about about a month and a half or so, and I have noticed her getting around a little bit better. And, it's you know, I can't point to any other thing than this Pet Relief stuff. It's really, really good. So I would absolutely try it out on any of your pets, okay? So go to PetRelief.com and enter the promo code WORDS to get 10% off your order. That's PetRelief.com dot com offer code words. Please check it out. This is some really, really good stuff and I highly recommend it. Okay. Now here's the rest of the show. Something that I, uh, you know, have noticed in regards to, you know, your band and the fact that you, you guys have a, have been on the hustle for a very long time. And I mean that in like, you know, a very sincere way where it was like, you guys were not only doing what you are doing, kind of regardless what was happening around you, because like you know, I mean, you guys existed, you know, when Deathcore and suicide silence and all that stuff was, you know, like popping up and you guys toured with those bands and you played with those bands, but like you never attempted to sound like them, you know, you never really kind of rode the trends. Like, you know, it's like, you know, some bands kind of lean into those things in certain records, Mm -hmm. but you guys kind of were generally speaking pretty steady. Um, I presume that's kind of why you feel like your band, uh, you know, is still standing because you kind of always had that manifesto sonically in your head kind of moving forward. Or is that just a function of like, Oh no, like we're just more persistent than, than than the scenes or whatever.
1: I think, you know, with all of those different waves and trends, like that's what it is. Those are waves and trends that come and go. And like, for us, it's like, we always stayed, even now we're always at a steady incline, you know, there was never like, this thing for Stray where we got big and then we dropped and then we got big again. It was just always like, Hey, like, Oh, that band's there. They're, they're still touring. They're still doing it. And we just kinda, you know, we just kept doing our own thing because that's all we know. Like we never set out to be anything and we never got influenced by like the wrong thing. You know, we were always just like, we just want to play music that has a purpose and that people can come and enjoy and feel safe at. And, you know, that was always our thing. We were always just super, super nice to everybody, whether you're a suicide silence, whether you're terror, whether you're the Casey Street or every time I die, like whoever on tour with, like we always just like we got along with because, you know, we're, we're not really judgmental in that way. Like, Oh, you're, you sound like this. So we, we can't hang out with you. Like, I, I don't care. Like one of, one of one of my best friends is in Beartooth, you know, the guitar player Cam and like I uh you know Stray and Beartooth sound nothing alike, but we could tour together because there's a, like that little crossover and Austin Suicide Silence, we sound nothing alike. I got along great with Mitch. Two completely different people, but you know, it, it it was one of those things where, like I said before, we never we never like judged anyone for how they sound or we never tried to be something that we weren't. We were just like Hey, we're four insane people from New York. Nice to meet you. Let's go play a show.
0: Right. <laughs> no, it's true. I, I, yeah, I think that attitude can really, um, you know, cause c- so there, there's always that level of weird competition between bands, you know, of like, Oh, like that band got the tour. Why didn't we get that tour? I mean, a lot of that gets peeled away as you get older because you realize like, Oh, that's stupid to have those petty arguments or whatever. But you know, in your early twenties that sometimes exists, but yeah, when you have that attitude of just like, oh yeah, like, you know, we're always kind of the weird band on the bill. Um, and we're going to lean into that, like not deliberately, but just be like, well, yeah, that's like who we are. Um, I think people, whether or not you're capturing the whole audience, you're capturing a portion of the audience that's like, oh yeah, this band inherently sounds different. So I'm interested in it. Like, you know, tell me more sort of thing.
1: Right. Right. Of course. And I, and I love that about Stray. you know, I really do like, I love that we could, um, be that odd band on the bill, you know, and, um, but we could still fit in because I feel like when it comes down to playing our songs and stuff, it's like, you hear it, you hear it on record and you're like, Oh, this is, this is cool. It's groovy. It's heavy. It's this and that. But we're definitely one of those bands where we're a live band. You know what I mean? Like you have to like come and see it. Like I've had kids come up to me and be like, you know, I've listened to you guys before and I really wasn't so much into it but i just watched you and that was like either the best set of the day at a festival or i love you guys i just bought the new record bought a shirt and i'm like see like this is why we do what we do and we always had that steady like incline and people keep coming back is because we could we could win people over you know and um i think that's really cool about us
0: yeah. It's, it's the slow roll as opposed to the, yeah, you know, the in, immediate, you know, incline. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I don't have an oxygen tank up here on this mountain. It's like, Oh <laughs> yeah. Right. We exactly. didn't plan for that. Um, and kind of on that same tip, the idea that, uh, you know, the, the trajectory has been kind of, you know, slow and steady, you know, and clearly for many years of the band, like, you know, you guys would tour and then, you know, come home and, you know, work random jobs and kind of just, you know, you would build your life around the band. um, you know, was uh, I guess was that difficult for you to kind of like you know go in and out of both of those worlds of like, oh man, like I feel like I'd never get any moment of uh, you know, rest because I'm like immediately home and working you know a random retail job and stuff like that. Um, or was that all kind of just like, well, that's fine, it's just what I'm doing right now.
1: Well, when I was like 21, 22, maybe like ten years ago, I um, there is a, a couple of different agencies on Long Island that um. It's like a per diem type of job. And what it is, is like you work in like group homes or like a residential setting with uh, kids with developmental disabilities. And you just have you have to work like once every I think it's like 40 days or something like that. So for me, it was perfect. It was like I can go on tour for a month. I could come home and just pick up and just like work. And I still do it. I still do it. Like I flew home for Mother's Day. I worked. I'm going back to New York on Monday. I'm going to work all summer there. So like I've been doing that for like almost a decade and, um,
0: wow. So tell, tell me yeah. more about that. So basically you are, you're, you're going and like, are you, you know, playing games with these kids? Or are you basically just like hanging out with them? Like it's that's- a
1: little bit of everything. It's okay. mostly it's what it is. Is like these guys, they, um, where I'm at now is, uh, is a, is a, um, it's a residential home. There's six individuals, all male and all like severely autistic. And, uh, I pretty much, I take them to their programs. It's kind of like their school, Some of them have jobs The higher functioning ones And then you like Take them to work Or whatever But you know You drop them off You take them to the doctor You cook them food You hang out You take them on trips You play games with them You just You're kind of like A big brother in a sense You know Where you're just Making sure that They don't hurt themselves Or hurt anybody else And like you know they, obviously, you know they they can't they can't drive. Some of them, you know, they they need assistance. You know, right. cutting their food up or wh- whatever it is. You know, you're just there to take care of them. You know, you're just there for their safety. So, uh, you know, it's it, it's it's really lax and it's it, it's it's awesome. You know, because you get to spend time with these and like a lot. Of the, you know, they're they're great. You know, like the guys that I work with, I'm very lucky. The staff, the management, like it's a really really good agency and um everyone's super nice. So like. And I've created such a good rapport with the individuals and the staff that, you know, I was just talking to my manager, I think it was yesterday, and I was like, hey, I'm coming back home. He's like, okay, I have all of June open. What days do you want? And I'm like, here's all the days that I want to work. He goes, done. And I'm like, okay, now I have a whole month's worth of work and, like, I get to go home and, like, after living on the beach and yeah, it's
0: sick. That's, so. well, that's really cool. Cause I think that, um, I mean that, that sort of work, like, you know, clearly it takes a, a, a certain type of person, um, you know, like uh, patience and, you know, understanding and empathy. Um, and I, I think that, um, I mean that it, I just really like to hear that because it connects you to something that is so completely and utterly separate from the world that you exist in, you know, the the sort of ego driven world of like playing music and being a front man on stage, you know, like, Right, you're you're right. devoid of that when you are helping people exist in their life with you know certain afflictions. It's like that's yeah, and that just
1: I I have two I have two different lives. I really do. You know, it's like I'm I play in uh, you know sing for stray, and then when I'm home, I'm uh, taking care of these guys and just you know hanging out with my family. So it's like it, it's very different. I'd say. When I used to come home from tours, I would give myself like a week. I was like, "Oh, I need a week to like decompress." And I'm like, now, like I get home from Europe, the next day I'm at work because You're I energized. need to be moving. Yeah, I I can't I can't even sit still, dude. I, this whole time we're talking, I'm pacing back and forth. <laughs> I can't sit. Still. I'm from New York. We don't. Yeah, we don't, you do Yeah, don't there's relax. no time. There's there's no relaxing with us. It's no.
0: just go go go. <laughs> right. There's yeah. no time there. Well, that's cool. Yeah. No, I appreciate you explaining that to me because I just think that that's a very uh, it's a, a unique skill set, whether you recognize it or not. Um, and I think it, it, not everybody can do that sort of work and service. And even though, like you said, you described it as lax, When I mean the your situation of being able to kind of duck in and out of that job, but um, right. you know, that's not for everybody. And I think that's a really, no, it's not really it's not. valuable it's experience. Really,
1: it really does take a certain type of people. Like I see like staff come and go and I'm like, yeah, this person's not going to last, you know, <laughs> you just, you just know it's like, yeah. <laughs> there it's, it's not for everybody. And you, you know, you have to have a lot of patience and you have to, uh, kind of, uh, make it all about somebody else for your day. You know, your day is not about you right now. It's, you know, it's about this person and, um, to be able to like turn it on and off is, uh, it's gotten easier over the years, but, um, you know, I love it, man. And, uh, that's cool. I think, I think, you know, I don't think I've actually publicly even told anybody about like in an interview that I work. So you, that's kind of cool. No, I'm glad I, that I could say that. You know I, what I mean? Cause I'm comfortable saying I have no shame in saying, yeah, I work a job too. the band, you know, like, you know, we, we do well, but like I live in New York, it's the most expensive place. <laughs> right,
0: right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. Like, I got I gotta do I'm stuff not, to survive. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Well, and I think that cause there doesn't need to be that shame attached to it because it is something that is, um, you know, valuable for people to understand that, like, there's a difference between this sort of like Peter Pan syndrome of like, you know, I'm going to play in a band till I'm like 70 or whatever. And then uh, a person who's like, no, I'm going to build my life around a band. Like I'm going to have these, you know, jobs that might be, you know, transitional or, you know, might be, you know, very conditional based off of my availability. But right. I, I am I am inherently connected to something that it's not just like oh i'm sitting around for a month and a half before the next tour starts like cuz you know I, I what else you you notice this all the time where you know bands are on their second or third record and all they're writing about is tour and it's like yeah. what like no like what
1: first of all that's not relatable so no. <laughs> not everybody tours so no you know you're, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot with that and you know what i even come to the table with being like we should write this and everyone's like no, dude. And I'm like, but it's good. And I'm like, Oh wait, it's not. Oh good.
0: wait. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you don't, yeah. You're, you're too close to it. I totally understand. Right. Uh, yeah the you know when the band started to get you know some uh trajectory in regards to you know more and more people were coming to the shows and like identifying with you guys as a band and a political message and all that sort of stuff to me and correct me if i'm wrong it kind of felt like it started to happen for you guys over in europe like people started to you know kind of really uh, attach themselves to you whether it was like you know uk or mainland europe or whatever um Mm -hmm. and then it kind of started to you know bleed over into the states as well like you and to be clear you were doing well in the states but it kind of you know certain things pop off in certain ways but um, of course do you like do you feel that like it started to kind of happen in europe and then all of a sudden it started to happen in the states because usually that dichotomy is different like people start to happen in the states and then eventually in five years europe catches up with it and no slam against europe but that's just that's sometimes the way the world yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
1: fashion whatever it's the same it's the same type of thing you know music in general but um yeah yeah Um, there was a, you know, when we first started getting like being recognized in America, you know, it was certain markets, you know, like Chicago or uh, New York, or let's say, uh, Atlanta, for example, you know, like people started caring there uh, there first. And then we went to Europe a couple times. And I think when it actually started popping off in Europe, like it was such like a, uh, uh, like a reward, like yo, we're like we started this band from nothing, and we're in I don't know Paris or Germany or England or you know Poland, and like people are singing our lyrics, and they could barely have a conversation with me, and it's like these people care so much, and um they'll keep coming back. Like if you if you could break in Europe, like it's almost it's an investment and it's like a career there. Like in America, it's it's different, man. It's like flavor of the week. It's up and down. Kids don't know if they want to listen to trap music or hip hop or hardcore or punk. Like it's, there's just too many things happening. You know what I mean? To be pulled in different directions. So, um, when we did break in Europe, man, it was like, it was just like, Oh my God, thank you. Like, thank you. (laughs) This is amazing. Like these people are amazing. These shows are amazing. We're taken care of so well. And like, you know, they just, uh, they really appreciate you being there as a band as an individual like they just want to they want to thank you they want to talk to you whereas in like America it's like yeah I'm not going to go to that tour I'll see them in like 2 months you know because <sighs> they know it's going to come back around and like you know we're lucky enough that people do care all across the globe you know we're not the biggest the biggest band in the world but like we have a consistent fan base everywhere I feel and you know that's what keeps us going like without that we're nothing you know, we're just, sure. We're just people. You're just practicing loud
0: noises. Right. You yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean? yeah. You're just so, practicing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, would you agree that like thing, things kind of felt like they're, they had more momentum in Europe. I mean, like you said, it was hard earned and you know, it wasn't like, Oh, our first tour over there was amazing. Like clearly you put in the work. Um, but did, did you, I guess, did you feel that like happening in Europe, and then? then it started to happen in the States. Um, I mean, I know it's tough to kind of like timeline it and that's a real, um, no,
1: you know, no. It, stuff, I right? mean, it, it is kind of tough, but like, to be honest, like, I feel like when it started happening more frequently in Europe, I, I felt it go down in America and maybe that's just cause okay. we would, we would, we would play shows there, and we we're, were just bigger there. So now like when I come back, it's almost like I'm spoiled there. You know what I mean? So it's sure, like, fair
0: enough.
1: it's kind of not the same reaction we'd get in certain places, but you know, America's weird, man. We toured anti-flag and played Atlanta and we had one of the worst shows ever. We <laughs> right. toured on like, you know, if we toured like a heavier kind of tour at like counterparts or Stig or something like Atlanta's insane or architects, you know, we had one of the, the best shows and that was maybe a year and a half apart. You know, we played, Uh, I think we played Heaven in, um, at the masquerade with architects and it was like 900 people. It was, I mean, obviously we're on tour with architects, so they're a lot bigger than we are, but it was one of the the craziest shows. And then we played Hell, smaller venue with Anti-Flag. And I was like, does anybody know that we're even in the city? (laughs) Like, this. The the show was just like it, it wasn't good, you know, and uh, anti Flake had a great set. I mean, for us, you know, there was people there, but nobody knew who we were. So it's it, it's really weird, man. Like like I said, you know, people will look at a tour and be like, oh, I don't like enough bands to go or I'll see him next time. Whereas in Europe, kids go to everything. Right. They, they go to everything, whether it's a D's Nuts show, a Lionheart, Terror, Stray, Stig, whatever it is, they're there.
0: Yeah. regardless. Right. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Um, the, you know, I mean, many people, I I mean, as far as, you know, press and the way that you guys have been covered in regards to, you know, your, your political leanings and, you know, your, your message is abandoned and everything like that. You know, I I'm not going to belabor any of those points because, you know, clearly they've been spoken about many times, but like, uh, for, for you and, uh, you know, the, the fact that, you know, most people focus on the singer in bands and like, you know, insults get lobbed at, you know, y- you usually before other people in the band and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. what's the realest kind of like, you know, hate that you have felt, whether it's like, you know, people are, you know, cause people always throw fire online or what have you. Um, but you know, have you gotten in confrontations like uh, and it doesn't even need to be like confrontations, like fist fights or whatever, but like, you know, people interacting with you at, at shows being like, Oh, you know, you're stupid and you're wrong and that sort of stuff. Or has it generally speaking been just kind of like, you know, much to do about nothing on the internet?
1: Well, it's mostly keyboard warriors, you know, and you'll never really actually get confronted, but in Houston, a uh, security guard at a uh, venue that we played, mm-hmm. you know, I did the whole, I think we, you know, it was right when, uh what song were we playing? I, I, I kind of forget the song, but I did, I, I said something about um, Trump being president or whatever. And the guy did not like that at all. So he came outside and he worked at the venue and he he didn't like, he got in my face, but it wasn't like, I'm going to fight you. Like I'm going to fight you, this and that. I'm like, he just like had a lot to say to me. And I stood there and I listened to him and I was like, okay, I was like, you know, you have your opinion, and um, I have mine. Obviously, I just spoke about it, and uh, you're you're not. Uh, there's nothing like wrong with you. Like that's how you feel, and that's fine. But like you have to understand that, you know, people think differently. And if we don't understand one another, if we can't talk about it, then what are we even fighting for? You know, why are we even doing this? And like I kind of like threw him off a little bit, you know, because he was expecting me to come back with something aggressive or like, I think he wanted us to like do something like we were loading out. So like all the guys were there and stuff. And like, I think Tom like stepped in and like at the end of the discussion, it was like, I think I even like shook the guy's hand or something. You know what I mean? So I think in those type of situations, it's, it's all about how you react to it. But, um, I'm always, you know, as as a politically outspoken band, like you always have to be ready for those type of things to happen because, you know, that's what comes along with it, but we're always open to talking to people about it. But nothing, nothing really crazy has ever happened. Like people said they were going to kill us and shoot us online after Good Night Alright came out, but right, nothing, right. nothing has come of it. Like we're like our response would be like, "You want to come see us and talk? Here's our tour dates. We'll see right. you next time." You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know what to tell you. Like you, you're going to threaten us? This is where we're going to be. It's not really hard to find us. You can just Google. tour dates
0: and there you go and there you go yeah yeah for sure No, that and that was uh, you know one of the reasons why I asked that because you know clearly there there's always a through line of people comparing the music scene now versus the music scene you know 10 to 15 years ago and everyone's like oh you know like punk music is you know completely safe and saccharine and no one's speaking politically about it there is truth to that where people are much less um, you know apt to speak about their political beliefs not only on stage but then you know have like pamphlets at their, you know, merch table or whatever. Um, right. but they're, you know, a, 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 the, the glorification of the, you know, hatred of the fact that, you know, bands like you guys anti-flag and rise again, you know, even though rise mm. against doesn't get, um, you know, a ton of hate for who they are because they're playing to, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. And like speaking, I, I it just really perplexes me how people go to rise against shows and like, are clearly like the antithesis of, their message. Like just as far as like, you know, like they could be wearing like, you know, pro gun shirts and like attending rise against shows. And I'm like,
1: right. But rise against has gotten to that stage where they're just like this huge band. You know what I mean? Where it's like you hear it on the radio. So people don't even know what they're actually singing along to or what they're even listening to. Like you said, you could, you could have somebody attending a rise Against show like a pro gun shirt. It's like, do you know what you're a supporting what you've just spent money on and what you what this band is even s- stands for you know and the answer <laughs> is no because people don't some people just they don't care they want mindless they want they just want to sit and you know they want to drink beer and they want to get drunk and just watch music and that, that's fine but it's like it's so funny to see that and like i'm so glad that you said that because there's so many people like that you know that don't even know what they're even uh, listening to, you know, they don't look into it.
0: Yeah. Well, it's like, I mean, the way that I view it is it's very much like an entertainment product, like, and that, and for people like you and I, it doesn't make sense because we're like, dude, when you're consuming art, like you're consuming all of it, not just like 20% of it and leaving the other Mm -hmm. 80% (laughs) to the side. But like, that's not how everybody (laughs) thinks and functions. And it's like, Oh yeah, yeah. It takes bands like that to remind you of like, Oh yes, there are people who are like, in a direct opposition to what they believe but you know they'll still they still want to hear you know swing life away or whatever. Right. Yes. <laughs> Which is a great song. It's a spectacular <laughs> song. Um,
1: I saw Speaking of Rise Against, yeah, yeah. I saw them I saw them at BB Kings in New York open for I who the hell were they even on tour with? I don't even remember. But anyway, Band is great when I saw them like I was still playing guitar in a band it was high school days and I was like this band is so sick and they definitely pushed me to like opened my mind a little bit more, you know, you know, as a, as a young impressionable kid, you know, I would, obviously I was still buying CDs then. So like you'd, you'd get the booklet, you'd read the lyrics and you're like, well, what does this mean? And you're like, Oh, that's what he's saying. Right. Yeah, it's it, it, so I, I yeah, think, it great.
0: no, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think that the most valuable thing that, you know, bands of that nature can can do and the same way, you know, Rage Against the Machine did that for me, where it was like it, all it did was offer up a different perspective. It wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, like, yes, in many sort of forceful, visceral ways, it makes you, you know, fuck you, won't do what you tell me like that speaks to you know a 12 year old angry teenager or whatever yes but- it's
1: so great it's so universal like that like those lyrics like uh are just a they're genius and it's like all the verses and stuff that he's talking about you're like what is he saying you have to like look into it but the choruses are like fuck you i won't do it you tell me like anybody is gonna sing along to that if you're angry or something or just want to like bop your head to it. You know, it's, it's just, it's fucking genius.
0: Right. And then on the flip side, like it just, uh, well, not even on the flip side, but in tandem, it offers up a different perspective where you start to realize Mm -hmm. like, oh yes, like my, you know, suburb upbringing as a, you know, middle-class white person, like, oh, not everybody has that experience. And like, that is Mm -hmm. the value of offering up, um, you know, dissenting opinions, whether or not you agree with them you at least hopefully open up your, your lens to look at the world through someone else's eyes where you're like, Oh, like I'm not just the center of this thing.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of people too, like they kind of get mad when we say the things that we do because we are what you just said, you know, we're come from middle class, you know, white, you know, whatever. But like, I feel like it's uh I don't know we're gonna say what we want always but i i never really um never really know how to react sometimes when people get mad they're like well you don't know anything you're just you and i'm like well no i still feel a certain type of way and i i feel that you know whether we're playing to a hundred kids or a thousand kids like we have this platform and we're gonna use it to say the things that we feel because we do care about humanity and you know it's uh i i I
0: don't know what I'm saying. I'm- no, no, no. I no. <laughs> I no. I understand. I understand what you're saying because it's like there, You know, it's it's easy to paint. Um. You know, with a very broad brush. Um, you know, people that are, you know, c- come from, you know, a very privileged area of, you know, the world from, you know, America from, you know, being in a metropolitan area, like it's easy to point these things and be like, oh yeah, like your, your opinion isn't as valuable as, you know, the, this person who is, you know, struggling in Africa or whatever, like, you know, any example that you can come up with. Right. But, but at the same time, it's like, well, yeah, like, yes, the, I, I do not disagree with that. But like, I don't want to look at the opportunity that I have right in front of me, AKA playing in a band and talking about these experiences that I feel strongly about. And just like, you know, waste, <laughs> not be a mouthpiece for this. Like I can, right. sp-
1: or waste, waste a song about nothing.
0: Right. <laughs> no, totally. Yeah. Totally. Which yeah. is what a
1: lot of bands do. It's like, okay, I, I, you know, I, as, as I get older, I start to understand, Music less And like Why it's popular And stuff like that But you kind of Just gotta You know The times are different You know When we were Growing up Like even before Like I said Like It it really bums me out That Kids don't have The um, The experience Of going to the record store Buying the CD Waiting online Opening it Like reading the lyrics Like everything is just A touch of a button And there's so much of it It's so accessible And I I just I wish I wish that kids these days could still have that experience. I mean you can, you know, if you collect records or whatever, but you know, most people don't. They just have Spotify, Apple Music, whatever. And it's like, you know, bands will spend months, even years on making like an album and you just open an app and hit a button and you just have her <laughs> yeah it's fucking crazy
0: yeah it's it, so it, crazy why well, the uh the way that i describe it it's like drinking from a fire hose you know like you're yeah. just sprayed with everything and there, there's no way that you can have um I mean, the word that I use constantly is like context. It's like, that's, Mm -hmm. you know, to people like you and I, if you mention, you know, drive through records in the early two thousands, that means something to us as opposed to a 14 year old kid now who would have no idea what drive through records is, you know, you'd be like, Oh yeah. What a
1: great era.
0: Right. It was right. Oh my God. It's like, you know, yeah, they had a a huge, you know, they were like the biggest label ever and they had a stage on warp tour and like, you know, yes, you can glean some of that from a. Uh, Wikipedia entry, or you know like be able to digitally piece that together, but like the amount of work that you have to do for that um, in in this a day and age is um, it, it's next to impossible, and I think that's why you know I mean I feel so strongly about having conversations you know with you and you know all the other people that I bring on the podcast because ultimately it will hopefully provide context for people of all ages because there's people right. who are older than us. And are like, you know, like, oh, like, what's happening with music these days? And they, you know, listen to, like, my interview with Mike Judge, and then they'll randomly listen to your interview and be kind of like, oh, okay. Like, even though they're bands from eras apart, like, there's a common consistency amongst, like, the thrust of what it is that they're trying to do, you know? And I, yeah, I just think that's really important.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's like, you know, when you said that there's, you know, people, whether it's Judge or Stray, whatever, like, there's just, um, I always... I always think of like hardcore and punk as like a lifestyle. You know, it's not so much a sound, and I think it's a uh, it's a certain type of artistic individual that connects with it. And there's those similar uh, uh, the similarities from 20 years ago to 10 years ago. Like it's still from the same foundation. You know, it's it's coming from not being accepted for you know a, a certain way of thinking or just you know being able to be creative and like have people like care about it, you know. So all those bands and like even bands that we grew up listening to, like, I still hold that very close to me. Like that, like it's it's a it's a lifestyle. It's not a sound. And I wish I wish some more people would understand
0: that, you know? That no, that is true, because even though they're, you know, the, the sonic similarities between so many bands and all the different subgenres and all the way that they all the ways that they get changed over time is inevitable. Like that always Mm -hmm. happens, but like the attitude and ethos in which people approach their crafting, like, you know, so many people could look at, you know, everything that is happening with, you know, the, the SoundCloud rap world and not understand that there are, you know, a decent amount of those artists have come from the hardcore and punk world and are just using Mm -hmm. the same principles that attach to that. Like musically, I, you know, I don't really care for it. Like there isn't enough of those artists that I'm just like, oh yeah, I really like this, but I'm like, I respect it. I see it. I would probably cl- you know, classify it within the same subculture as we are, but it, that's just their interpretation of what <laughs> DIY means or whatever, you know? Yeah. So I you're hundred percent
1: you. right. A hundred percent right.
0: Yeah. Um, the last thing I want to hit on was the, um, you know, it, it seems like, you know, you and, and, and Tom, the guitarist, um, you know, you guys kind of split press, um, And, you know, you, Tom does interviews, you just do some interviews and you kind of, you know, uh, tag team it like that. Um, is is that kind of just a, a function of the fact that, you know, I mean, you are not technically an original member and, you know, Tom has been there since the start. Um, you know cuz most people are immediately like oh yeah i just want to talk to the singer like you know i don't want to talk to the guitarist or whatever um right right is that just kind of a function of like the way that you know you guys have just divided that labor um just cuz it is, it is you know unique from that perspective cuz like i said people usually do come at one person in the band
1: right well i think you know tom is a uh, you know he's he's got a lot of energy and he has a lot to say like a lot you know we All the writing behind this band is all done together. And I think, you know, when people started wanting to talk to us, we'd be like, to be honest, some days he's like, hey, we have uh, press at this time. You want to do it? You want me to do it? It's kind of one of those things, you know, it's like, which like do I really want to sit down right now or do I have to go do this? And like sometimes it'll be like, can you do it or you just do it? You know, it's kind of like like in the moment we we think of it, whether who's going to do it or not. But a lot of the times I like. I like when we do them together because he is, um, he's so, uh, well-spoken, you know, sometimes me, my head's in the clouds and I have no idea what's going on, but, (laughs) uh, it's always been that way. It's always been that way. We've always just kind of shared it as like a a duty because, you know, he's, he's the original member, you know, like it's, it's his, he started this band when he was 14 years old, you know, and I wasn't in the band. I mean, as the world knows it, straight you yeah
0: know, you're original. Right. Up, yeah Exactly. <laughs>
1: you know straight straight basically like became a real band when we signed the Sumerian and put out villains in 2007
0: but exactly but little do they know ed edge <laughs> oh,
1: oh <laughs> my <laughs> god <laughs> you know i was wondering i was wondering if that was going to come up i'm like we're oh. definitely going to mention it because he remembers that he was there he saw how wacky stray
0: really was of course dude and ed, ed, <laughs> ed edge i mean he booked two tours for taken. And like, he was probably, and still to this day, one of the most unique people I have ever met in my entire life. And yes, yes. I, I just, always, anytime, like I, I mean, I don't reflect on it often, but anytime that like fact boomerang back boomerangs back at me, I'm just like, Oh, that's right, dude. And say for straight the path, that's insane.
1: Yeah. It's so insane. <laughs> like I even, I even, before I was in the band, just like watching them play. And like, you know, I was, you know, into more of like, you know, pop punk and punk rock and you know, all that stuff before I joined. And, uh, I remember just watching them play some shows and just being like, my friends are fucking crazy. Like what, what are they doing? But it was sick,
0: you know, it was awesome. Totally. I can't wait to sing for them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I can't, I cannot wait to be in the band.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Well, dude, thank you so much for hanging out. I knew this was going to be great and it was, uh, exactly as delivered. So thank you very much for doing this, dude.
1: Ray, I love it. I'm I'm so glad we did it. I, uh, you know, when we talked about it in L.A. a couple, like I think like a couple of years ago, I was like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, let's do it," and now we're doing it.
0: Yes, Drew, thank you very much for coming on the show. It was great. We actually talked about doing this episode maybe like, I don't know, three years or something ago, and it was, oh, it took forever, <laughs> and that was my fault. That was not his. But I'm glad we got it under our collective belts. And um, next week is another chat that uh, I've been circling for a while. He's been in my head, and I was able to activate it. Finally, Jonah Matranga from Far, one-line drawing, new and original, just a very prolific musician, but he primarily plays under his moniker now, just Jonah Matranga. And I was so pleased with this chat, because there are certain people that uh, I get requested to have on the show And sometimes people are so obvious that I'm like, yes, I understand. You would like me to speak to Ian Mackay or Henry Rollins or whatever. And Jonah's name came up on more than one occasion. And at times I was like, I don't, I don't know. Like, what am I going to ask him that he hasn't been asked a million times before? But um, Jonah was so great. And that's what I got next week. So until then, I hope your holiday was great. And please be safe, everybody. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.